You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Will Mavity's interview with the star for St. Maud, Morphid Clark. Dear God, your presence graces the air, and soon everyone will see you. Hi, are you Maud? Yes, hi. It takes nothing special to mop up after the dying. You're prettier than the last one. But to save a soul, that's quite something. Bless Amanda's body and bless her mind, which is shrouded in darkness. When you pray, do you get a response? Oh, it's like he's physically in me. It's how he guides me. My little savior. Hey, I thought that was you. What are you up to? I'm a private carer. You're still nursing? What? They know what happened. All the good girls go to hell. Cause even got herself. I just want to see you loosen up. I've got more important things on my mind. <laughs> There's my little saint. Maud, he isn't real. Nothing worthwhile comes easily. You must be the loneliest girl I've ever seen. I'm ready and open. I feel fuller of your love than ever before. Responsibility. Oh, yes, of course. This is life and death on another level. What if I'm getting it all wrong? Hi, you're listening to an episode of the Next Best Picture podcast. I have this year's breakout star of A24's horror film Saint Maud, Morvid Clark. I'm I'm sorry I didn't quite land the name, but that I hope I got excellent. close. <laughs> it's very good. Yeah. So um the first thing I have to ask in general is what has it been like having kind of your big breakout year in the middle of a pandemic? Well, I have nothing to compare it to, but I'm sure it's um <laughs> it it's um it has been odd. It's kind of I think I've been experiencing stuff that even in when the world is not kind of feeling upside down and topsy turvy, it would be hard to believe. And so kind of combined with everything that's going on, it kind of often I'm like, has any of this actually happened? Is this a fever dream? <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's also kind of not, obviously not being able to, the film's not being able to really kind of go out in cinemas and stuff, which is kind of what you'd, your dream of a film coming out, but it has kind of come out in a time where like I myself have been like, thank God for films and TV. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> so um it's kind of, I hope it's giving some people a little bit of respite in an hour and a half of horror. Yeah, yeah, you watch St. Maud to to feel yeah. better about the world out there. Um, so it's it's a character that, you know, we, we see bits and pieces about her background and her backstory throughout the film, but we don't know a lot about Maud and where she came from before. Did you and director Rose Glass kind of work together to devise a backstory for Maud, or did you just kind of 
yourself decide, I know who Maud is, and this is how I'm going to play her. Yeah, um, no, Rose didn't really, apart from what was in the script, Rose didn't um, kind of put anything on me in terms of what Maud's life had been. So there was a lot of freedom for me to kind of, yeah, imagine lots of things. And that the main thing for me was that I felt that she'd done a lot of, I felt that she'd gone through her life getting in trouble without being prepared for it. So doing things wrong without realizing. And so there was kind of like a sense of someone who was always ready to be told off. And that through that, she'd probably kind of, um, I, I have ADHD and through school, I, in my later parts of school, I was like, oh, I can just, I can just pretend to be a good student. <laughs> then I won't get told off. Wouldn't learn anything, wouldn't be paying attention to anything, but kind of would be neutral to the teachers. And I felt that more definitely I think has spent a lot of her time trying out different outfits that make the world better and easier for her. Um, and then that means that if something devastating happens, a complete personality character change is not such a leap. Um, and also spoke a lot to my family who are kind of work as doctors and nurses and very sadly realized that they all felt terribly guilty. Mm. And that just made, Maud's kind of need to cleanse and be forgiven just make perfect sense so it was those two things were like the main bits main kind of moments of oh that's who she is now uh it's it's a very physical performance so um there's a couple specific scenes there's the levitating there's the godgasms and there's the uh the I'm stepping on nails uh those three are going to stick with me so tell me a little bit about pulling off those three different very physical beats um well the godgasms first of all um I just I I always think of what Maud would feel if she heard that they were described as godgasms she'd be like (laughs) no how dare you um but those just kind of um those just kind of made sense in terms of that she was so kind of repressed and bound and tight that as soon as she kind of lets go even a little bit it's kind of it's complete ecstasy and things but also um um the makeup designer Jaquetta all around her room had all these pictures of um of female saints and things and loads of them just oh these flushed cheeks and they just look like they're in ecstasy so that was kind of inspired by that um the levitation um that was just such a fun day because it was just it well, it was just yeah give us everything <laughs> like yeah um and the levitation I was kind of on this big pump that was kind of taking me up into the sky and bringing me back down and but we realized we couldn't um get all the shots of like limbs and stuff coming off the floor like that so um mm-hmm. basically Rose was like does anyone have a scarf and everyone who had a scarf came and tied it around a different limb and then I got lifted up by various <laughs> members of the crew and then the nails um so we had this guy called Barris who did all these practical effects, which I'd kind of never worked with practical effects really. And it was so brilliant to have that because I think if I'd been told, oh, imagine a pint glass is swirling, I, I fear I would have been like, like given this huge reaction to it. So it was really nice to have them. And um, yeah, with the nails, it was um, this special material he'd found that he would heat up with a hairdryer um, so then they'd become soft for about 30 seconds. So you could actually stand on them and feel some impact, but obviously not pain, which right. kind of was just so helpful in terms of the performance. 
but also it meant like as soon as they were heated up, it was like, please go, 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 go. <laughs> she's going to impale herself. That's absolutely terrifying. I would have been so scared every time they uh, they called yeah. camera on that. Yeah. Um, did you research any uh, historical saints for this in general? Because obviously the levitating is, uh, I suppose, is Teresa, or not Teresa, yeah, I guess. Mm. She's the levitator and just like a lot of the self-flagellation kind of weird things that the Catholic Church is like, oh, this is cool. They're saints that if we yeah. see someone like you do them, it's like. Yeah. I've felt that Maud's religion was very much of her own creation in that that's also one of the reasons that we don't see her go to church and stuff, which maybe would have been possibly quite good for her to find a little <laughs> community. Um, so it was kind of more that I would kind of, as soon as I got cast, I just started talking about religion with lots of people. And then little bits would kind of stick. Um, but I, I felt that, I felt that the, one of the big kind of roots in for me was the like, the self-harm aspect that kind of, you're growing, you're a person who's been kind of told by society that you're not worthy of love and you're not good enough. And so you have this desire to kind of, take away these bits of yourself that seem unworthy. Um, so it's like trigger warning, not be a nice conversation. Um, that's so fun. But um, it was kind of, if you've been doing this, punishing this body that hasn't served you well and hasn't been accepted, to then see that that could be celebrated and seen as kind of holy and brave and courageous, that just that to me felt like that was the bit that had got her into religion was making sense of this desire to to punish herself physically and mentally hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads. But this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a tragic character, and I was surprised to see that the ending is debated. I know uh, the director said mm. that she thinks it's pretty unambiguous, but obviously there's a lot of um, back and forth on that. What does the ending mean to you? So when I watch horrors, my joy in it is finding like what it's representing in kind of a reality without the supernatural. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then one of my best friends watches horrors completely differently. So when we watch them together, it's like, no. So I see it very much as kind of exactly what happened. Last split second is <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then um, I, we we had a screening in um, New Zealand um, where people could actually come to the screening, which was quite amazing. <laughs> and um, this guy afterwards was just like, oh, and that moment, you know, where she's kind of the flames are around her and she's looking so happy and you're like, oh, she's ascending. And then that split second, you're like, oh no, she's burning in hell. And I was like, no, no, so yeah, um, it's, I think with kind of, when, I, when, I, when I'm filming something, there was no ambiguity with what was going on in that like, what's happening was happening to Maud and that's what Maud's reality was. And um, it's been wonderful actually kind of hearing how differently people view it and also kind of not saying that Rose hasn't created a clever film, but, you know, when it's just like where people put even more cleverness to it yeah. by their own ideas and like, oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, one other thing I was curious about is uh, she speaks Welsh at the end. Yes. Uh, tell me about that. Um, so kind of going back to that Rose kind of allowed me to kind of create whatever backstory I wanted. Um, we decided that I keep my own accent. Um, and then Rose just heard me speaking Welsh on the phone to my sister, which I always do on set because it's usually me being like, I don't know what I'm doing, help. <laughs> conversation. Um, and she was like, hey, um, I think I heard you speaking Welsh. And I was thinking that God could be Welsh. And I was kind of like, oh yeah, that's cool. And then kind of she walked away and I was like, that's so cool because I went to Welsh language school and the only times I've said prayers has been in Welsh. And so then that kind of like added another level of the story of like her having gone to Welsh language school and then not speaking that language really anymore apart from in this. And that was kind of another level of disconnect from something she'd once known. And also just Welsh, like Welsh, even English people, I think just don't, know that much about Welsh and it does yeah. sound like mythical and magical so I was really glad for it to be, be used in that way and God speaks Welsh in it to her right yeah yeah I yes that was so that's my voice lowered oh it is <laughs> yeah yeah um and then what was probably the hardest moment in the film for you to pull off I think it was probably that final scene between Amanda and Maud where Ward's faith is kind of faltering and crumbling and you kind of see her at her most kind of pitiful and tragic. That to me, it kind of emotionally and in terms of like making sure that this is the moment where you really kind of, I wanted the audience to want to care for her in that point. Um, that felt like, I felt a big responsibility to make sure that that came across. Um, and also just, just you had these two women just suffering, but not yeah. being able to cradle each other was just kind of just sad. Yeah. So I think that was as well. That was, I mean, that was the most challenging. And by this point also, like we did it chronologically. So we, so me and Jennifer, so wanted different outcomes for both our characters. Mm -hmm. oh, that is sad. Yeah. I, I liked that you, um, you know, you you compare it to some of the movies of like a descent into madness, and 
Um, they they play the character as just batshit insane from the start, but you made Maud sympathetic and not completely lost at the start. So I, I thought that was a nice mm-hmm. touch you added. Oh, good. I'm glad. <laughs> well, that's, I think, about all the time we have for questions. So uh, thank you so much for taking the time. I thank really you. loved your performance, and I can't wait to see quite a bit more of you in the future, as I'm sure we will. Lovely. Thank you, and have a good rest of the day. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Will Mavity's interview with Morphid Clark for St. Maud here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Morphid is currently nominated for the BAFTA Rising Star Award and can be voted on by anyone in the general public. Please see a link for that in the show notes down below. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and we are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. You can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening as always, and we shall see you all next time. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.